1: You are listening to the three and D pod. I'm your host, Justin Lewis. You can find me on Twitter at J underscore timber underscore. You can find the podcast on Twitter at three and D pod. As always, we're a part of the three and are the Grizzly Bear Blues network of podcasts. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies and online at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you check out the other podcasts, uh, the starting five, the core four and GBB live. Uh, we're coming to you at halftime of the Chicago Bulls game because Ben and I are dads and we're older and we don't want to stay up till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, recording a podcast. So Ben, late night, what's up?
0: What's going on, man? Uh, yeah, and that, you know, I just I just started a new schedule at work. So I, I, I go in now at 5 a.m. So who knows? I mean, these t- games have been pretty tight lately. This. Has, this looks like has potential for overtime.
1: I, you know, you you predicted a three and two week going into this week, and um, I said five and zero, which should be a thing going into the night. Uh, we'll get into that, but you're looking at being right on three and two, but maybe not the uh, the three wins we predicted. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> that's typical Grizzlies basketball. That, that's
0: how it works. Like you just got to throw a number out there, and you know, <laughs> yeah, don't don't try to pick what up you trade get. Up.
1: Yeah. Right. Um. But I don't know this this Bulls game so far at the half. It's a Grizzlies have a one point lead, and that feels like a miracle. Um. I, the bench unit was getting torched, and yeah. we'll we'll get into some of that as well. Um. Before before we do, let's let's talk some panic meter, um, type stuff. I want to I want to gauge your your panic meter. So the first thing, um, I, I want to see where you're at on a one to ten. What's your panic level on the Grizzlies' performance the last two games?
0: Um, Yes, maybe a three. I'm not really that panicked about it. It's, you know, they got off to a slow start yes, uh, against the Pacers. And with the Knicks, they weren't able to close out, and that was because they couldn't make free throws. Like, if they would have made free throws down the stretch, they had to make one, one of those free throws down the stretch. They would have won. You know, it looked like they had the game control. They just couldn't close. And uh, I'm not – I'm really not that worried. I mean, this is what happens. It NBA. a habit. I mean, most of the games this season have been blowout wins, blowout losses. You know, it, it builds character. I should say, you know, these close games build character for when you get to the postseason.
1: You really are a dad, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm just not worried about it. it it's uh it's a young they're a young team they're going to go through their lumps like this you know whether it's closing out games or not being able to win one when you get off to a slow start like last uh against the i keep saying last night because when we're recording it but against indiana i mean they had a chance to tie it maybe take a lead Ja falls down and the pacers score come back down desmond bain tries to do something he turns it over i mean it's It's what young teams do, you know, it's the moment. Like they try to do too much when you just slow it down a little bit. That's what the, uh, the older teams do, you know, the, the, the veteran laden teams, they know how to handle uh, moments like that. And that's what we're seeing with this young team. So I'm not really worried about it.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to panic either for the same reasons. Um, They are the youngest team in the association. Um, They they've got to learn how to close games. So, Sometimes the best way to learn is through failure and uh, they can go back and correct some things that, that went wrong at the end of that game uh, against the Knicks. And then the, the slow starts are a little concerning because they don't make sense. Um, I, I don't really understand how you can just come out so flat in a game and let a team come into your house when you finally have fans, uh, you know, in there and let them punch you in the mouth that way. I understand going on the road and getting punched in the mouth like that, but Indiana, a team below 500, for some reason just has Memphis's number. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'm with you, young team. Um, you finish out, you know, uh, the Bulls tonight, and you got a uh, a three and two week. You know, that's staying above 500, and that's pretty much if you go three and two the rest of the way, you're you're in the play in for sure. Um, and depending on what happens above you, you know you you could sneak up some you don't you know you don't know what's gonna happen um so I think how much do you think the the Grizzlies in these last two losses have missed the Anthony Milton? Um,
0: I think a decent amount it's I think the thing about it more than anything is the fact when he does come back. Jenkins still hasn't really figured out how he's going to handle the rotation with all these wings and he's not being given a chance to. So the more these guys miss, you know, Grayson Allen misses a game here and there. De'Anthony melton has been out for a little bit. Jaron Jackson still hasn't come back. And as we get closer to the playoffs, you're probably going to want to tighten up that rotation and figure out what to go with. And I think that's the biggest thing right now because the Grizzlies have done fairly well. I mean, you know, they have a chance to go three and two in this five game week which is fine. It does hurt a little bit also on when you have a five-game week, you don't have an extra body on the bench, and you're going to have to go deep in the bench. Contrars playing a few more minutes than they probably would, he would normally play. But he's played and well. You see him. He's played well, yeah. No that's, No. no That's doubt about it. He's played well, but you really don't want to go that deep in the bench right now. I mean, he's fine. He, he's Like you said, he's played well. He's probably, you know, one of the better guys on that deep on that end of the bench in the league. Like, we've talked about the Grizzlies' depth, and I think that does hurt a little bit too when you do have a five-game week and one of your better players, one of the guys that's been pretty consistent lately and pretty good, and you don't have him out there. But it is what it is. I mean, it's NBA season. They've been dealing dealing with injuries all season long.
1: So, what is your panic meter on the fact that he has he's missed as many games?
0: Um, I'll go with the seven, just because of the, uh, the way Grizzlies their the franchise handles injuries. They're very vague about <laughs> things.
1: Soreness. It's a it's a pandemic itself.
0: Yeah, and you know, coming back soon. I Jaron Jackson was coming back soon in January, and we're in April. <laughs> so that's that's more of my panic. Me, I don't know. I we talked about Melton. I thought he was going to be maybe out for a game or two.
1: Left leg and soreness, he's
0: still, and he's still out. Yeah, I mean, what what does that mean?
1: What, what the, what the does heck leg... happened to your left leg?
0: <laughs> right, that's to cause you to miss this amount of time. It's not just soreness, unless. It, I don't even know what it – that's the only reason, is because of the way the Grizzlies front office has handled injuries. They're not very open about things, and their timetables are, you know. One of those things, like, I'll be there in a minute, you know, yeah. 30 minutes later, oh, yeah, I'm on my way.
1: Yeah. Um, (laughs) So, you know, they they announced that Winslow should be back sooner. Um, I think they even mentioned within a week or something like that. Um and I'm I'm gonna be real honest with you. When Melton is playing and then Winslow wasn't, this team scored at an alarmingly high rate um and played phenomenally without Justice Winslow. Is that a coincidence? Uh or is that just a fluke?
0: Uh I don't I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's Justice Winslow still hasn't found his offensive game yet and Melton firing all cylinders. Like, he's he's found his offensive game. He's found his NBA game. He's found all that. He's improved so much this season. And Winslow's greatest asset is his defense and his length, and that's kind of why I think you see a difference on how the Grizzlies perform with Winslow in the lineup and out of the lineup. Like, you needed Winslow in a game like – Against the Pacers, where they're just scoring, you know they're. I don't know if they, yeah, they got a hundred in the first three quarters, and that that's a game where you need Winslow. I mean, it'd be nice to have Melton too, trying to keep up with a team like that. But if you have Winslow out there, they're not scoring at will, as much. Uh, I don't think.
1: Yeah, so you've got, for sure, three rotational players out, in in Jaron Justice and Melton but you could probably argue those may be your three best defensive players on your roster yeah. also being out. Um, so them giving up the points that they have is, is not fully surprising, but basketball is a team sport. Um, I feel like you should be able to figure that out. Um, but the, the Indiana game seemed like a, a game-long defensive lapse. Um, they just could not get on the same page. I don't know if it was lack of communication, um, lack of game planning, lack of adjustments by the coaching staff. But it, how many Karis Levert mid range jumpers does it take for you to figure out something different than what you're doing? Like, hey, maybe let's go under the screen if I'm Dylan Brooks and make him shoot it from a little bit deeper than letting him get to his spot, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, Karis Levert, he's played three games against the Grizzlies this season. Uh, I think once with Brooklyn and the other two with with Indiana, and he just torched the Grizzlies. So you should know that you have to figure out how to stop him, and then everything else should be okay. But they couldn't. I mean, the numbers, I looked it up. I have them right in front of me. In three matchups with Dylan Brooks, Karis LeVert on an average per game, uh, Dylan Brooks average uh, guards Karis LeVert 4.9 minutes a game. How many points Karis LeVert scores in four point nine minutes against uh, Dylan Brooks? Ten. T- Ten point seven. He's scoring more than two points per minute when Dylan Brooks is guarding him.
1: That is awful.
0: So you have to figure out what. Maybe it's a double. I don't know. I mean, you you do miss D'Anthony and Justice uh, in a game like that because they can help on the defense defensive end. Like when I was referring to Justice and D'Anthony. Like, Justice isn't giving you much on the offensive end. He, his, he's defense. D'Anthony will give you something on both ends. But his offense has been what's kind of gotten people to notice him a little bit more this season.
1: Well, you know, you, you put out this stat about Dylan and getting shredded by Levert. Um, last night against the Pacers, it wasn't Dylan's fault at all. It was it was Jonas Valanciunas, you know? He, that man, <laughs> he, is, he is such a bad basketball player. It is completely his fault that we are a 500 team, and he he just quite – he should just be cut. We should just wave him and send him on to some contender uh to be a backup big in the NBA.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude has a career night, and he's the reason the Grizzlies lost.
1: It's insane, man. What a scapegoat. He goes 34 and, what, 22? Only yeah. the sixth time in NBA history that stat line gets put up, and he's the reason that we lost? Get yeah. out of here.
0: Yeah, I think the – I know Joe got a little heat uh, from what he calls the, the JV hive, but here's the deal. It's like it's just gotten out of control on blaming JV for pretty much every loss. Like I understand that he's not great on the pick and roll him and Jod, you know, they they get shredded on that and, but Jonas scored 10 of their last 14 points when they closed the gap against Indiana to have a chance to win. And it seems like, There are times in which the Grizzlies, when they either – like a team gets close, they feed JV, and they extend the lead again. You know, I I know that they – I can agree with Joe. When Jaron comes back, I'm fine with the onus coming off the bench. He's not coming off the bench, or at least starting. And then Jaron closing as the five. I'm fine with that. I understand that his minutes can be cut when it comes down to it. And that he is a liability on the defensive end, but just say that he's the reason the Grizzlies are losing. Joe didn't say that he was the reason the Grizzlies are losing. I saw that out there, but I just know that uh, Joe got a little heat uh, by talking about uh, Jonas last night, or I guess what Sunday night after the uh, the Grizzlies lost to the Pacers. Yeah, that's... and also he, he he compares him to a donut. And he says a donut's <laughs> not a meal, but you know what? I've had a donut before and I called it breakfast and breakfast is a meal. So there are situations in which a donut is a meal.
1: That That is correct. And I think it was Parker filming that um, said the the donut analogy um, for me in Valentinus and the Jaron Jackson um, debate or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I don't think Valanciunas belongs on the bench, just like we're starting Grayson Allen for what he provides. I think early um, Valanciunas is somebody that needs to be on the floor um, to be, especially when you're on the road and you got to find your legs, you got to find your shot in a different gym. He's somebody you can just feed the ball down to down low, get some easy early buckets and and then roll from there. Um, and his rebounding, I, I just think he just stays in the starting lineup. But I am completely fine with him. Um, being off the floor when we close because of Jaron's ability to switch, um, that there's not a problem with that, but to scapegoat him and say that he's his, his defense is the reason I, we just watched in the Chicago game in the first half. Um, Daniel Tice and Lori Markinen shred in the pick and roll, yeah, and Jonas is not on the floor. It's Xavier Tillman and Kyle Anderson, and we praise them as defensive players. But it's Jonas's fault in the pick-and-roll. So what I'm starting to, to see, because Dylan doesn't do well in the pick-and-roll sometimes, he, he gets just left on pick-and-rolls at times. Yeah. So maybe it's a team philosophy or a team approach to defending the pick-and-roll that maybe needs to be revisited. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, we saw these stats. I think it was – was it Peter Edmondson that put up um, the stats today on when Jaw scores a certain amount of points? And then uh, – It Jonas... was uh,
0: – well, Anthony Sane tweeted it out, but I think it was on the – he referred to Edmondson because I think Peter said it on the radio show, and Anthony tweeted it out. So, yes, it was in reference to what Peter said.
1: All right, so I'm going to pull up um, what, what Sane said today uh, because we we need to – address context and here it is three and oh when josh scores single digits four and oh when jv scores single digits 13 and seven when josh scores less than 15 5 and 8 when jv scores more than 20 4 and 12 when josh scores more than 20 you can cherry pick any stat for any player and make them either right. look bad or look good i do it with dylan brooks all the freaking time except <laughs> with, with dylan brooks you can only cherry pick like one good stat you know there's not the stats don't lie with Dylan Brooks like i can pull together whatever stat and i really can't make him look good except for this last couple of weeks that's a different story but this this stat here they are 7 and 0 oh when either jaw or jv scores in single digits so this is what this is what i see out of this little number whatever they want to throw out there when our wings are playing at a high level Together, we got multiple guys that are on that night, whether it's Grayson and, and DeAnthony or there's that one night that all four of them were on. Um, they don't need Ja and JV to go do the bulk of the scoring. Right. Hello. Of course they're going to do well when they have four wing players doing well or two wing players doing well because it's a wing league. It's a three-point shooting league. So if those guys have their shot falling, Ja doesn't have to be aggressive on offense. They don't have to feed Valentinus. But when Ja goes and scores more than 20, it's probably because his teammates are letting him down and not knocking down shots. So he's got to go attack the rim. And at that point, he's got, so he fills the game out early. Well, by the time he goes and figures out, hey, my guys may not have it tonight, you're already trailing. I would dare venture yeah. that most of the time, because you think about it, like at halftime, in a lot of those games where he scores more than 20, he's got like eight points or seven points. And he goes in there at halftime. They're trailing. Oh, I got to turn it on. And it's too late at that point. So it's a, it's a cherry picked stat for me, these, whatever the saying through out there on, on Twitter today, there's, there's no context involved in it at all. Um, and it completely diminishes the value of both Java Morant and Jonas Valanciunas by saying, we don't need them to score to win.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I text you about it. I, it's, Two of the four games in which Jonas scored single digits, he was he either got injured or he had to. It was the COVID game in which he had to leave the game. Another one was both Jai and uh, Jonas scored single digits when they beat Houston by 49 points. The, their minutes were cut. Everybody was eaten in that game except for those two because they didn't need them to. I just want to provide a little context in those stats on seven and zero when those two, you know, combined when they score single digits, because. We're probably going to see that stat again because you know how when someone throws out a stat like that, it gets used over and over and over to try and prove a point. The context in those, those the stats themselves do prove what they're trying to get across. Like you said, it's better, the Grizzlies are better when everybody's pitching in, when everybody's feasting, when all the wings are hitting. That's fine. I, I'm okay with you using stats to prove that. But I just don't want the ones in which they say that they're 7-0 and when they score single digits to kind of go a life of their own, basically, like you said, casting a bad light on Jonas and Ja and kind of diminishing their value to the team.
1: Right. So I believe it was the Knicks game was on NBA TV. Um, and they, they mentioned on the broadcast uh, that the Grizzlies have a – like they don't lose when they get thirty more thirty or more assists in a game. Well, on those nights when you have thirty more assists, that means your team, your everybody's pitching in. Everybody's getting to the yeah. hole, knocking down shots, doing that. So ideally, yes, with the way the Grizzlies system works, because you don't have a superstar scorer like a Bradley Beal or a um, Jimmy Butler or somebody that can just give them the ball, go get a bucket. They've they've got to rely on on everybody being involved and in, in getting the looks that they create. Um, so I, I get what they're trying to say, but I think they just chose the wrong way to say it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that, that, that's a good point on the, the assist. It's like, I mean, that's how most teams are. Like if you can get contributions from more than two guys, you're probably going to be a better team than the one you're going against because, you know, it's easier to stop one or two guys that are going off. I mean, sometimes it's not, I mean, Indiana, but sometimes it is. And, but when everybody's hitting, it's just, you know, all you can do is just kind of do your best. But at the end of the day, you're probably hanging your head because you're like, man, I can't, we just can't stop these guys.
1: Yeah. um, We, so we are uh, third quarter. Chicago is up 61, 57. Um, I just see on Twitter that Chris Vernon said, "Wait till you see this Morant dunk." Have I missed it? Yes, watch- I missed it. Yes, was it was it great?
0: Yeah, uh, it was pretty good. Uh, I have
1: <laughs> the Braves have two runners on in the bottom of the ninth uh, tie game, so I was I was trying to watch that one end. Anyways, um, yeah, so you know, I'm working on this piece on on Jonas Valanciunas, and he's in the midst of a career year. Um, points per game, shooting percentage, rebounds, um, all of it. His offensive efficiency is at the highest that it is. His defensive efficiency is actually at the worst, but that's something that also has a nuance to it. There's some context that needs to be involved in that because the defensive rating also depends on who else is on the floor um, at the same time as him. So, sure, there's probably some other t- – like him and Josh probably shouldn't play a lot of defense together, let's just be honest. Um, but – like, him and, him and Milton and, and Winslow, like, th- sure. But, I, again, I think they need to revisit the pick and roll because we've seen tonight it doesn't matter who's being used in the pick and roll. Um, the Grizzlies are struggling to defend it. And it's, like, the staple of every NBA offense. Um, so, if, if you can't defend that, which somehow the Grizzlies are, like, a, a, still a top defensive efficiency team, um, I don't know. It's wild let's let's revisit the the Pacers though and I want to bring this up why can't the Grizzlies beat the Pacers or the Pelicans like what the heck they they destroy like we can't beat them i i don't know what it
0: is i i really don't it you feel like every time you go and play them you're like all right you got the upper hand and you know, after the, the the loss to the Knicks, you thought maybe, OK, well, they had the Knicks and then they missed free throws that, you know, that's fine. That's going to happen. Bounce back against uh, Indiana. You're back home. You can't do it. I, I I don't know what it is. And, you know, the Pelicans. They were struggling like they were probably at their lowest point of the season. Earlier, earlier on, and they just destroyed the Grizzlies.
1: Yeah, and they are the most. Either. Yeah, they're the most non-shooting roster I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> like, even some of the old school days of the NBA, like, had more shooting on their roster than this Pelicans team does. Granted, Lonzo Ball's been an improved shooter this year, but when you run out a lineup that has Zion and Stephen Adams and Eric Bledsoe in it, it's not a whole lot of perimeter shooting that's gonna be taking place. But for whatever reason they just kill us and it sucks because Gris Schwitter wants so badly to be rivals with New Orleans but they've had our number period yeah and and then Indiana didn't even have Miles Turner um, play for them the other night Um, Sabonis has his way with whoever is guarding him Uh, whether it's going to be Jaron or Jonas or Tillman or Clark can't stop him Levert as you pointed out owns Dylan Brooks and then Justin Holiday, where was that when he played for us?
0: <laughs> I know. I
1: think that every time, I'm like,
0: this is the same Justin Holiday that played for the Grizzlies, right?
1: God, man, he's a freaking sniper out there. This, this, I don't know. this, this Patriots team doesn't make any sense. Their record doesn't. Like, no. They're, they're six, they're six man rotation of, of Brogdon, LaVert. Um, then they got Jeremy Lamb coming off the bench. And then you've got Sabonis and Miles Turner. And then I don't even remember who started. Just Dougie McBucket started at the three for them while TJ Warren's out. Or no, that Edmund Sumner kid started at the three. Um, yeah. And they still got TJ Warren to come back. Like, they should be better than their record is. Um, I don't know if it's just them getting Lavert, uh, you know, introduced to the to the team and the system or or what it is. But – uh, they, them it, losing to the Pacers is easier for me to swallow because I see the the talents on that roster losing to the Pelicans stings quite a bit every time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I was high on the the Pacers when they traded for Laverde In fact, I went and put a, a small bet on them to come out of the East because I thought like maybe a sleeper team, you know, you catch Brooklyn or whatever, you catch Brooklyn sleeping or somebody else knocks out Brooklyn. And I thought Indiana had the pieces if it came together. And, uh, Luckily, I was able to cash it out uh, about a month ago when I knew it wasn't going to win. And I'd, I'd, I was able to get about 70 percent of the money I paid down. So 70 percent is better than zero percent. And so I, I, I it's a loss, but that's how confident I was in Indiana. Like I thought that they had something. I, they have talent there. It's just, I guess, health. Maybe and coming together as a team.
1: Yeah, I mean they haven't had TJ all season. LeVert was out with that that just crazy story that he was under. You know, Turner has been he's been great early, but he's been out some. So maybe it is health. Um, whatever it is, I thought for sure they were going to be a top four seed um, in the East, and obviously until Brooklyn went and got James Harden, but uh, right. I don't know, man. The Grizzlies, this this up and down stuff. Um, you know, Bryce Hayes on Twitter today uh, tweeted out that Memphis was the the second most stressed out city in the in <laughs> the in the United States. And I, I was like, this the Grizzlies are gonna kill us. This, you know, getting our hopes up when we go and just smack the Sixers and um, the Heat and the Hawks. Like we go out there and just just beat the crap out of them. And then you lose to the freaking Knicks and Pacers, both of which are under five hundred. Um, you're just, you're left confused, uh, trying to figure it out, but then we have to remind ourselves the youth of this team is a very real thing. Um, the youth of your head coach is a very real thing as well. Um, he is very much still learning. Um, and like you said earlier, he's not had a chance to really put together the rotation that he wants to put together. Um, this is all experimental for him so and it's it's patchwork and getting us it it's it should be a uh pat on the back to him that we're even the eight seed right now when you're missing your second best player in a loaded western conference you've dealt with the amount of injuries that you dealt with um i don't know we just we just got to keep the perspective in the right place when we're looking at this team
0: yeah and i'm i'm getting Tired of the Grizzlies are getting lucky, you know. Miles Turner's not playing, or Grizzlies are getting lucky, so and so is not playing for so-and-so. It's like Jaron Jackson hadn't played all season. Like it every time, you know. I mean, if we had so-and-so, like with the Hawks, well, you know, John Collins and all this and that, it's like no. I, the Grizzlies are missing players too. They're missing D'Anthony the Melton, they're missing Justice, they're missing Jaron Jackson. They're missing just as many pieces maybe not as many starters, but just as many pieces in the rotation as the Hawks are. So I'm not feeling sorry for them.
1: So if the pick-and-roll defense wasn't a big enough struggle for the Memphis Grizzlies, I just watched a set where the Chicago Bulls ran a double screen with uh, Vucevic and uh, Daniel Tice, and it must be communication that's, that's the problem here because both Valanciunas and Grayson Allen stayed with the ball handler Leaving uh, Vucevic uh, wide open up top in his sweet spot um, from three, but he he drove in and we got lucky on an offensive foul call. Um, is I mean, Valanciunas is supposed to be the anchor of the D as a man in the middle. Is he just not communicating? Um, does he not see the floor well enough to communicate correctly? Like, there's there's got to be something going on with this pick and roll defense that causes them to just get beat so easily like that.
0: Is he's thinking that somebody else is picking up the guy? I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't yeah. I don't know if it's coaching or what the deal is. But
1: is it? Are we switching everything? Are we not switching everything? Are we switching some? Are we calling it out as we go? Like, I, I mean, it's, I, I, it reminds
0: like, me sometimes of like when we're playing pickup. You know, you, you're you, you're you're picking your five guys. You're out there, and some guys have played together, so they're setting picks and they know how to do that. And you don't know if you're switching or. You're not calling it out. You're just you're just you're following the ball handler pretty much. Like if you're guarding the ball handler, you're you're chasing him down. You're not switching.
1: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't know. The Pickup analogy is a pretty good one because sometimes the way the Grizzlies play defense, it does look like pickup ball defense where uh, you ain't got a clue what's going on, and then you got possessions that Morant has where he gets a screen set on him and he ain't fighting too hard to get over it. Um, yeah. So. Well, I think that's all we got for uh, this episode. Uh, as we sign off, the, the Grizz are currently down six to Chicago, and I need this to change because one of the assistant baseball coaches at the high school um, is a Bulls fan, and he talks a lot. And I tweeted at him and told him the Bulls suck. So <laughs> I, I need the Grizzlies to uh, back me up here.
0: Grizzlies need this one because they got Dallas next
1: and dallas has gotten into a groove yeah so anything you, to... anything you want to throw out there when we sign off
0: uh i got a question about you is you are you in your troll are y'all now like friends
1: <laughs> oh uh I, man i just took a different approach with him and, and instead of arguing with him i just either feed into it or just agree with him um and it's just been a it's been a shift in mood uh, as far as it goes with the Troll. Um, he's actually sending me a John Morant basketball card. Um, so that's uh, that's pretty cool. Look at,
0: look at the grown-ups. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> right.
1: Speaking of basketball cards, I got 55 basketball cards yesterday for my birthday. Um, and I pulled out three Jaron Jacksons. And uh, two of them were holographics. Um, I got a holographic Chris Paul, a holographic Jokic, a holographic Zion. Um, I, every pack I opened, I was just like, please, God, don't be Dylan Brooks. <laughs> we were searching for a Ja Morant. Uh, didn't get one. Uh, luckily, somebody came through on Twitter and sold me a Ja Morant rookie card uh, for, for a good price because on eBay, man, I'd bid up to 10 bucks and then I'd be like, I'm not going above this. And then yeah. I I'd lo- I'd get the email saying what it sold for. These Ja Morant... Panini Prisms on eBay. I just got an email about thirty minutes ago. One of them went for one hundred and eighty dollars.
0: That's I haven't haven't bought a pack of cards in about maybe ten years. You can't find Uh, them anywhere.
1: Target does Target not have them? They're sold out everywhere, man. Really? I haven't looked. The ones I'm buying are the ones that come with one card and five stickers. So you're paying two dollars to get a card. Um, so we just bought a box set of them for my birthday, but you can't find like the five pack of cards or the 10 pack of cards anywhere.
0: Cause I mean, I used to, I mean, there was Tennessee card company back here in Memphis. I would go, I would spend pretty much, I would try and go every weekend. I would do yard work. I'd go to the neighbors. Hey, I cut your yard, whatever, to get money. And I'd go buy, like, I just go buy a box.
1: You could spend so much time in, in that store.
0: Oh Yeah. Like uh the best one that I ever pulled there was uh was a Randy Johnson the autographed game worn patch jersey patch. And they're like, "Man, we opened like five boxes of cards looking for just one of those and you walk in here and buy a pack." They like, you know, they offer me like 25% of the the price and I'm like, "No. Now it's not worth as much whatever, but maybe it's back up. I need to check." But
1: it wouldn't hurt to check. Um, but
0: I I want to get back into buying sports cards, especially since they're back on the uh, upswing. But I got I got to figure out where to find them around here.
1: It's it's tough, and they're going like they're going for insanely high prices online. Um, on Top Shot, I got me a John Morant moment. I bought it for eleven dollars in the marketplace. It was the cheapest okay. Morant moment there was. It was a, a layup against the Spurs where he kind of went up and under somebody's arm. Um, so. Well, it is the start of the fourth quarter. The Grizzlies are down four heading into it. Uh, as we sign off of here, uh, Ben, get some rest. Uh, do you as well? <laughs> yeah, um, I got to go uh, edit this podcast, and the Braves are headed to extra innings. So it seems like <laughs> it seems like my teams are going to keep me up tonight. But uh, have fun starting your new shift.
0: I appreciate that. I appreciate that.
1: Uh, Good luck well,
0: here. Uh, You're braves, even though you know, we'll see you on the playoffs. Probably, it's a cardinal fan.
1: Do not want to see the Cardinals in the playoffs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We are the uh, the Pacers and Pelicans
1: to your Grizzlies. God, if that is not the truest thing I've ever seen, anyways, this has been another episode of the 3D podcast for Ben. I am Justin. We'll see you guys next time.